I have so many new thoughts about cross-discipline since we recorded that episode with Brian. Okay. So I've been getting into this world of like makerspace videos on mm. YouTube. And what fascinates me about this little world is that like these people are making items that they sell. They're being commissioned to do projects yeah. by clients, by customers that they're going to sell. So they're already making a living on that. But it's like the extra bit of it is, okay, now we're going to make this video as well to present mm -hmm. what we have made, mm -hmm. to present what our process is and making it. And it just, it's fascinating to me that it's like double the presentation because you're presenting it to the customer and you're presenting it to your social media following or, or whoever it may be. Yeah. Now, then I got into this podcast called Making It. Hmm. And it's these three guys who do exactly this and they talk about their process together. They talk about like what projects they're working on and everything. And they'll talk about their projects and the videos that they're making about the projects with equal reverence. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating to me because as they talk about the videos and they talk about their social media presence or anything, I approach this from a singer songwriter standpoint, from like a musician basically trying to get fans right and mm -hmm. there's something selfish and therefore a little bit like shameful to me about that and i don't know that it should be that way and i've certainly talked to other musicians for whom it isn't that way yeah but i'm listening to them talk about this like oh my god like the videos and the like asking for five stars on itunes or whatever like it's there's nothing shameful about it it's just like another part of what you do yeah. Providing the video to your fan base, to your following, is just as valuable as providing the finished product to your following. Yeah. And like providing everyone with kind of a sense of what you're up to day to day with like a weekly update on the projects that you're working on, that has just as much value in today's world because YouTube and vlogs and whatever exist. Mm-hmm. That has just as much value as the finished product that you ended up that you end up putting out and that ultimately ends up like being your touchstone for how you're doing, right? Like what you're yeah. cataloging. But that touchstone also exists with how you're keeping your fan base up to date with what you're working on. Yeah. And it's just a completely new world to me that I'm like utterly consumed by right now. It seems like it's a completely new world in general, too. It, well, yeah, that too, yeah. Because it's just, it's almost figuring itself out at the same time that you're figuring it out, like the same time that you're like kind of finding out, oh my God, there's this whole thing out here that I, I never knew about. Like, it seems like a lot of, like, at least that's the vibe I get from those videos whenever I've seen them is just everybody, there's like an excitement, you know, like people are realizing, oh my God, we can do this or we can be self-employed on different levels or we can kind of i don't know it's cool like you can almost make a like a fictionalized component of your day-to-day -day life right and the self-employed part is like definitely what what is the most exciting about it sure yeah but then i'm thinking to myself like what if the cross-discipline is how you present the art yeah like on one hand you've got art and yourself as an artist your skills as a whatever you do and then the other discipline is compiling that process into some presentable form of media, I guess maybe not even media, but yeah. into some way 
to celebrate the process, you know? Yeah. And I don't know how many forms this could really take. Cause I was thinking about like, none of this could quite translate directly to me writing a song and none of it could translate directly to me sitting down with my notebook and penning lyrics is not nearly as exciting as watching someone make a table. <laughs> At least not for me. I'd rather watch the table get made than the lyrics get written. But yeah, like, I guess the ultimate point that I'd make about this is that like when you're talking about maker spaces and you look at yourself as an artist, as a guitarist, as whatever you are, yeah. like you're doing more with your hands than you think you are. Yeah. You're practicing more practical skills than you think you are on a day-to-day -day basis. And isn't there something to that where if it is cross-disciplinary and it would make for interesting content, I guess? Yeah. So even as I say content, like there's a shallow feeling to that. <laughs> there's a... Yeah. But it's just fascinating to me that like those two coexist in the same creative like headspace. Yeah. Well, they seem like they would be healthy together too. If you're able to do it in a way that isn't like exploitative of your craft or your art or whatever it is that you really love, like it seems like it could really emphasize the right aspects of your process, you know, as opposed to just having it be, I guess it would still be like result oriented, you know, you would still have, you just have another final product that you want to put out, but it would almost make you focus on like the interesting aspects of the, how the sausage is getting made, so to speak. And like, yeah, I, there could be something very soothing about that where you sort of slow down and realize, oh, I do all of these things when I write a song or like, this is how I feel when I, when I write one. Cause what comes to mind is when you get writer's block and you still have to do part B. So it's like, what you know, you have to almost like talk about it or you have to force yourself to get through it. But either way, like you're doing what most songwriters cease to do in that moment, which could be very healthy. So I don't think it's shallow unless unless it's shallow, really. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, fair. It's like it's like songwriting itself. Like that can be the shallowest damn thing in the world, you know. And, mm. But oftentimes it isn't, or it doesn't have to be. It's just, yeah, you can you can take it that way if you if you need to. And I honestly, I had a pretty hardcore um, bias against like the whole YouTuber culture for a while too, because I just saw. A lot of like the, like the reaction video people, you know, it's just, oh yeah, they just watch a movie or something that somebody else made and then just make a living yelling about it. And I was just like, this is the most useless goddamn thing. Like, why the hell does this exist? And uh, it took me forever to realize that like, there are people who are just, they've legitimately cracked this code and they're really good at this medium. And they also are really good at a lot of other stuff, like whether it's cooking mm -hmm. or like car repair or whatever. And it's it's such a cool rabbit hole now sometimes. There's one reaction video YouTuber that I will watch regularly. Yeah. His name's Sam Johnson. He's a voice teacher. Okay. Uh, so he'll do, like recently he did, you know, the, um, the J-Lo performance and the Lady Gaga performance at the inauguration. Yeah. Right. So like he'll watch, for the most part, people singing live. Mm -hmm. Like here's, here's an in-concert video of so-and-so. And whether this is revered or reviled, he's going to break down how are they using their voice and why does it sound this way? Yeah. So because he's approaching this from, from the perspective of a voice teacher, he's able to say like, okay, see that right there? That's a bad vowel shape. And that's why you're <laughs> hearing it all nasally. Or mm -hmm. 
See right there, like that is a sloppy transition from chest voice to head voice. And mm. that's where you kind of lose it a little bit. Or he'll praise them for their great vocal techniques, you know? Mm. So that that's kind of the only YouTuber I've found who does reaction videos that I could admire because this is all with the hopes of teaching your audience how to sing better. And you can point to the anatomy of the, of what you're hearing. And yeah, do you want it to sound this way or do you not? And this is how you achieve that. Well, that's a good point. I didn't consider those reaction videos, but they totally are. And I'm a sucker. I mean, for every those, single actually, one, yeah. every single one starts with voice teacher reacts. Yeah, that's true. But you know, so like, it, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, I guess like they are as such, but it's like when I consider just like the, you know, it's always just like a guy sitting in his bedroom with like a USB mic. Right. That's not like the, what I was just saying is not the genre of reaction yeah, yeah. video. That's yeah. kind of what I mean. Like it didn't even yeah. occur to me that like, it's, it's almost like how I've always felt about like, like the type of punk I would play. Like, you know, it was not pop punk, but it was pop songs played like punk, but it wasn't pop punk. Like that's how I feel with those, but I'm a fucking sucker for those things too, man. Like the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like there's like some whole series of them. I forget who does it. It's like a magazine or something, but there's like, you know, a thief, reviews like heists it might be is it like vogue or something it's one of those like a huge magazine but they do these whole series where they had like an ex like jewel thief and he reviewed all these heists and movies and <laughs> crap like that and he's like yeah no this that's, isn't how you would do it <laughs> this is so sick like yeah, that's pretty fun it's just like sitting around at a bar or something with a guy who's just telling you how this whole underworld scene works that you never were privy to like i love shit like that so yeah that is true those are fun to watch yeah So I've got this inkling now yeah. that I'd like to do more from week to week. I don't know if I have that much time to do more, mm -hmm. but I'd like to do more. I've already talked to you about the cooking show that I'm going to start, uh, and those will be very short videos. I don't think they'll take up a lot of my time yeah. editing-wise. But I, I feel like I just want to do more documenting, mm -hmm. and I feel like I want to start maybe start blogging again, mm -hmm. at least on a small scale. Um, just to kind of like keep people apprised of what I'm up to. Yeah. I feel like that's a good way to sort of manage accountability mm -hmm. in a sense, because like if I show a video on, of something that I'm working on, it's going to seem conspicuous if that thing doesn't then come to fruition. Yeah. You know what true. I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> and I think I've struggled with accountability a lot, mm -hmm. like bringing up, oh, I'm working on this project. It's going to be so grand. And then... I get writer's block and abandon it and yeah. you know, then it goes nowhere. So I'm, I'm very conscious of not talking about things that are just an idea and that mm -hmm. aren't close enough to fruition that bringing them up at all would be lying. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like this is, this is a good way. I, I still don't know the mechanics of what I'm talking about really, but I feel like there is a good way to keep myself accountable through things. And I'm not talking about becoming a YouTuber, but like <laughs> through things like my Patreon page or through things like social media in a very cultivated way. Yeah. Cause I'm not really that active on social media. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm very much in the exploratory stage of this, mm. but enough is fascinating to me right now about how this is, approached by 
people who do it for a living, then I'm like, I can do some of this. I'm yeah. pretty sure I can do some of this. Uh, yeah. Just to use as tools and not even not to use as like money making schemes or not to use in that like self-employment way like we were talking about, but yeah. at least as tools to keep myself more productive and to keep myself more accountable to the projects that mean a lot to me and then <laughs> sometimes just diminish without my meaning them to. Yeah. So. No, that could be cool. The exploratory phase seems very necessary too because there's so many outlets now. And there kind of always have been, but there's so many more now and so many different media that you can use and different ways to use those medias. So it's, it seems very important to find whichever one allows you to like genuinely settle into it and be your most natural self. Yeah. Cause it's one of those things where like, it's an endurance game. It seems like like every day you're going to have to do or think about it in some way. So like, you know, it should be comfortable should be something that you're maybe not always looking forward to, but you're, you're able to be like, oh yeah, I got to go do this thing. Or even like, say you and I took the time to record like a, a short segment every week and just said what we were up to that week. And whether yeah. that's a project that we're working on or whether it's just something fun that we've been, do, been doing, like mm. <laughs> that would make us accountable to the fact that we have to have fun doing something. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's true though, man. It's important. <laughs> like, I don't know, you could talk about a new mountain biking trail that you checked out. Yeah. And I could talk about a new, I don't know. <laughs> it's easier for me to think of your example than it is to think of mine. <laughs> a new bread, a new bread that you've baked? A new or? recipe. Yeah, sure. A new recipe that I'm trying out. Yeah. Mantle that you've yeah. built? <laughs> You've always got projects going on every time I've I have to. a mantle uh, that I've been thinking about refinishing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, for some reason, I vividly remember our first phone call on the quarantine. You were oh, like, yeah. I'm building this fucking mantle. This thing's enormous. It's going around my home. <laughs> and I was just like, holy shit, that's cool as hell. <laughs> that's not at all what I was saying. <laughs> well, that's how I took it. So <laughs> this whole time I've been like, God damn. All right, you see what's be the, what the shelf is mounted on behind me? <laughs> yeah. Where the paint color changes? Yeah. That covers the pipes or something. Okay. It, go, it goes all around my room. In every room of this apartment, it's it goes the whole like perimeter of the room. Okay. Right. So it juts out about 8 or 9 inches. Yeah. So that's what I was saying is that there's a mantle type thing <laughs> that is on almost every wall of my room. And I was trying to build storage to oh, mount man. on top of it so that I could have <laughs> vertical storage, which is what I did with those shelves. Okay. Yeah. Well, you should have seen what I've been picturing this whole time. <laughs> you thought I <laughs> built a mantle? I pictured this like, <laughs> it's like turn of the century library vibe. <laughs> <laughs> like a Howard Hughes looking thing, but like, <laughs> I do like those shelves though, dude. I mean, honestly, shit like that could be great too mm, yeah. for just like what you've been up to like that's a cool ass thing to be able to just do yeah no i'd be down to do something like that i'd like to do it if it was written myself i think it would psych me out too much doing something that's like um either a video or audio oh okay okay but if it was like a like a blog post or like a i don't know just some kind of a written like just a couple of paragraphs like here's what i did this week okay i could totally get into that because i've always wanted to have like a reason to to do a blog or something. It just seems fun. And I do like the accountability thing. 
But I've always wanted there to be like a project that kicks it off, you know, like, I don't know, I decide I'm going to like run across the country. And so here's my day by day. And then I just kind of keep it going afterwards. Like I've always thought that seems like a a way that I could really get into. And and I probably wouldn't give it up once I started doing it. Yeah, we can find some way to make that work. I'm sure. Maybe we'll do, uh, I don't know, we can turn that into like a weekly Facebook post or something. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the other person could act it out. <laughs> <laughs> Go for like a mixed media thing. Or a Maybe. tableau vivant. It would be funny too if you just like, you wrote out everything that you've been up to that week, sent me the list, and I just read it for you on Facebook Live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt couldn't make it because he hates it here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> try to come up with a new thing every week too. Like, yeah. <laughs> now I will say the trouble with me is that like I don't like absolutely abandon projects, but I walk away from them for a little bit, a little too often, mm-hmm. and mostly that can be like just not having the confidence to finish it the way that it's supposed to be finished. Yeah, you know something like a. Uh, like a small woodworking project, like when I did build those bookshelves, you know? Yeah. Um, that was easy, but something like like learning a new skill from scratch. Mm. Like I just a- applied practical knowledge to building shelves. Yeah. Like they have to have sides and shelves and the shelves have to stay in place <laughs> and they have to be level. And yeah. there's not a lot more to it than that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, so I'm wary of like taking on too many like skills challenges mm-hmm. because then I think I'll end up starting a bunch of projects that won't end up getting finished. Yeah. So I've got to exercise some caution going into this, but <laughs> I do like the idea of accountability. I do like the idea of, I don't know, just looking forward to like brag about something without bragging. Yeah. There's probably a word for that. <laughs> well, it's like, I don't know, Then it just becomes an adventure at that point. Like, it becomes kind of a, like, you just try stuff. And that's what I like about the idea of, like, that transparency. When it, like, you know, when you can talk about what you've done and it could have failed, but you still, you either get a story or you get a cool product and a story. Yeah. But either way, like, that's the healthiest aspect to this that I can think of is that, no matter what, you're not left with nothing at the end of the day, just staring at that blank page or staring at that wall like, God damn it, that was a whole week, wasn't it? Yeah. That's such a terrible feeling. and It absolutely gets discouraging to like start new projects and stuff after a while. So it's sure. this feels like a good way to sort of like sidestep that feeling. this friend a few years back where like we were in our mid-20s and we decided one summer that we needed to do a skills checklist mm-hmm. so the first thing we tried was like all right can we do woodworking at all yeah so we're like well i guess we build some birdhouses and see how that goes and neither of us could build a birdhouse to save our lives <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like all right can we garden so we went to Agway, we bought a, just a bunch of seeds and basically threw them all in the ground and a lot of vegetables grew. 
So we're like, great, we gardened, but then we barely watered them all summer. So they tasted really bitter. So we couldn't really garden. <laughs> and then we're like, all right, can we fish? <laughs> now that is subjective because if you can get a bunch of friends together and go to a pond and drink beer and cast lines into the lake, yeah. then you can fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but can you catch anything? I don't remember if we did. Uh, <laughs> so we had the skills checklist and like we went through all these things and it was mostly for the comedy of figuring out that we couldn't do anything <laughs> that we were like a couple of suburban kids who never had to learn how to survive <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no it was just it was really funny but I'd, I'd really like to do something similar to that where I can then like report my findings on like, okay, where are my, where does my efficacy lie and where do my uh, inadequacies lie? Yeah. That's a great idea too. Just like when you actually quantify it like that and put it down on paper, it becomes so much more apparent what you do and you don't know, but that sense of possibility also kind of increases. I, I love yeah. doing that. Man. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. I was thinking about welding, dude, like that today, actually. I, I was thinking about it again, like earlier, but just that was one of those skills I just always assumed like other people do. Like it's something I'll never know how to do <laughs> myself. Like that amount, you know, like there's just certain things where it's like, obviously somebody like goes out of their front door and does this thing. Yeah. But never in a million years could I see myself just knowing what those steps would be <laughs> between me and that product. And that welding is one of those where I just see the dude in the mask with the torch. And I'm like, I don't know what his eyes are looking like back there. Is he ever like, holy shit? Or like, is that flame scary to him the way it is to me? You know, that kind of thing. But it's so cool. So I started thinking, like, maybe I could just get a hold of a welding setup and just kind of fuck around. And I found out that you sort of can't. I mean, it's not like the safest thing and you're not going to necessarily have anything good. But like they sell basically entry level just for people with that exact thought process. Mm -hmm. And that opened so many doors, weirdly, to sort of realize, like, all of these unattainable skills that I thought there's no way in hell. Like, you can track people down who know how to do it, or you can watch YouTube videos or whatever you have to do, but, like, you can learn a lot of stuff, enough to screw around with it, at least, and, and see if you have fun doing it. Yeah. That's, that's kind of enough for me a lot of times. Mm. Yeah, I felt the same way. You know, just kind of working around the kind of people that I usually do, where like everyone will know. Because, <laughs> yeah, I've run into that too, like the welding thing. Yeah. Like I had a tenant whose welder didn't work. Mm. And he was wondering why. And like a bunch of people just kind of like came over and were diagnosing it. And I'm like, how the fuck do all of you know <laughs> yeah. what this is? It's yeah. that way with car people too, man. Like every time. I have this this memory of a gig that I pulled into on the road one time when I, it was in the South, and that's just like a notorious thing, specifically down in Kentucky. It's like mm. a thing I've heard from a lot of other musicians who they say, like, if you're going to have your van break down, Kentucky is like the place, or like Tennessee is like the place. <laughs> like, try to have it break down there. And it's literally true, because we pulled into the parking lot, and I was like, let's see if we can test this theory out. Within two seconds, we had like 15 people around the van. Each of them knew intimately how to fix a van. They were all right. And we fixed that thing within like 35 minutes. And Wow. But they all were just doing this like mental math about what was going on with it. 
and it blew my mind. I just have never been able to approach like mechanical stuff that way. I've always wanted to, and it's interesting. But yeah, there's so many people that just I always wonder what the world looks like to them. Like they could see like a broken down car and say, I could get that for like thirty five bucks and probably turn that into something cool. And yeah, I am envious of that. I don't know that that will ever be me, <laughs> but. It seems like a lifetime. It's like playing violin or something, you know? Like, it's just people that have been doing it since they were, like, three a lot of times. They just, they know the smells and the feelings and the all the, like, intricacies of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy when I learn something new about a car, and then I can identify that problem later on. That happens yeah. rarely. But and I don't know if, like, it's necessarily my goal to engage in mechanics or anything like that. Yeah. I would just like to engage with more. Yeah, so you know, yeah. Like example, I've been digging out this hoarder nest recently, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a nightmare. But there's so much in there that I'm like, why don't I know what this is or how to use it? Yeah. And this doesn't have to be specific to tools, but what don't I know how to use? What don't I know how to engage with? Yeah. And what would it benefit me to engage with? You know? Sometimes it opens up a really cool opportunity to just hang out with an expert too oh sure i i love that about it too like if you have like a friend or a family member or something or just meet somebody who just is really really good at some random thing or yeah. some skill like everyone kind of likes that feeling i think you know to, to teach or to impart something on someone else and if all you have to do is just sit there and be quiet and and just take it in and learn mm. like they're having a good time most likely and and you can just pick stuff up. Like I asked Devery to do that one time on a trip. I was like, can you just teach me how to sew? Like I want to leave this tour knowing how to sew whatever I might have that'll fall apart. Like at least how to replace a button. Yeah, I was like, I, yeah. I learned when I was a kid, I forgot, like I want to make Same. sure I can like thread a needle. I can sew competently if my like pants rip or something. I'm not, I don't have any illusions about like being able to make clothing myself or something, but like, you know, I want to be able to do basic stuff. And she's like, all right, well, we have a lot of merch to make, uh, a lot of patches that need to be sewn on a thing. So if you can do it with freezing hands in a dark club, you can sew. <laughs> and she taught me how to do it. And like, I literally rip, whipped that one out like a week ago. Yeah. Sewing this like stuffed animal back together over here. And I was like, this is, uh, it was just cool. It was like, I just spent five or six weeks driving around with her, just learning all these like little random tricks that I wouldn't have learned from just teaching myself or things like that. And yeah. Yeah, it was neat. Same with I've learned a lot of shit from my mom that way. A lot of different friends that are good at like arts and crafts and things. And I always liked that. Yeah, my, my mom had a sewing business. She was like the neighborhood seamstress. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, I spent, um, I was I was homeschooled for a few years on and off. And mm-hmm. uh, so part of that was I would just take home ec with her. So like the basics of cooking and sewing I learned from her. And the cooking part is the one that I really retained a lot. And I yeah. have not used a sewing machine in, oh God, over 15 years, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, so like that would be a valuable skill to have too. But um, now, did I ever tell you that I'm related to Norm Abram? Really? Yeah. No shit. That <laughs> Very... makes so much sense in a way. But... <laughs> That's sick as hell, dude. <laughs> very, very loosely. Um... <laughs> okay. My mom... And this other woman, Laura, I think her name was Laura, married twins. Hmm. And then they both got divorced. And my mom married my dad and Laura married Norm Abram. Wow. 
and then like they kept in touch a little bit on and off. So I think I have a picture of me as like a little small child with Norm Abram, or at least a picture of him in my backyard. And I might be in the background or not, but wow. <laughs> yeah, that's sick as hell. I've definitely met him. <laughs> wow, <laughs> dude, that's cool. Yeah, so it's it's a very strange uh, family tree there, but so not by blood and. Not even really by marriage, but by like former marriages. <laughs> yeah, I think I learned measure twice, cut once from him. Sure. Like as a kid, that was always on in the house, and my dad would like pause it when he would say that. It'd <laughs> be like this: "You need to remember this." <laughs> <laughs> he's a good yeah, man. Yeah, he's cool as shit. I like that whole crew, man. That this old house crew. Yeah. Good people over there. Yeah. We should get them on this thing. I don't know what the hell we talk about, but... I love watching woodworking. Yeah. Like, I'll never be that good at it, but I love watching it. Yeah, it's amazing. The guys that are really good at it make it look so easy. And have you ever noticed that people that that can just do carpentry like it's like they're taking a breath, like they just swing a hammer differently, like they hold a screwdriver differently? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is that? Where do they learn? Practice, I guess. But that's what I was thinking. Is like as much as I love that, I've never once in my life used a table saw. Oh yeah. So like when you were talking about like people who just know how to weld, I'm like, yeah, I, people just use tools that I've never used before and yeah. like it it because that's a pretty commonplace one you know mm-hmm. like I've been around them plenty but I've never done the work myself and uh you wonder where people develop these skills and like where did the necessity come from for them to use those tools in the first place yeah if they needed that long to get good at it I mean it's got to be similar to a lot of music stuff though too that we probably take for granted right because I've had that like the flip side of that with people where I'll say, like, if there's if a song sounds weird or something and they're asking, like, oh, I wonder what that is. And I'll say, oh, it's this it's too much bunched up in this frequency. You just got to pull that down. And they're just, mm. they just look at you with the kind of glossy-eyed thing. And it sort of occurs to me, like, oh, shit, yeah, people don't always hear things this way. Like, that's how I hear music is sort of deconstructing it, the way maybe someone would hear a car drive by and know that, like, there's a hole in the exhaust in this spot. yeah. You know, I hear it as like, oh, there's too much hundred. We got to pull that down and maybe lightly compress it. It's like all of those things, when you break them down into their constituent parts, would be individual tools that we can deploy the same way that person might know, like, oh, this blade is the best for this type of wood, and I could take this type of cut and put this type of screw. Like, that is lost on me. Yeah. But I don't know if they could look at, like, a compressor or look at, like, a a flanger or something and just know what it's going to do and what (laughs) it should go on. Then there's those people that can, and it's fucking obnoxious, but... Yeah, like, in that same vein, Kate and I were listening to Modest Mouse the other day, mm-hmm. and I just, like, picked up my guitar, and I there was a riff that I was... I, I heard it, and I was like, I wonder what that is, and then, like, I wanted to verify that I was seeing it in my head the right way, and so I just, like, played it, having essentially learned it by ear. Yeah. And she was like, see, how the fuck did you just do that? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's just knowing intervals. It's ear training, basically. Yeah. And like to me, that's not that hard. Mm-hmm. And there are people who like have a really hard time learning ear training, too. So it's not the same as just picking up a tool and learning how to use it safely and mm-hmm. rightly. 
But it is just like skills that you develop through years of doing something. Like for me, there were always instruments around. Yeah. For me, I did not spend time with my dad in his garage workshop on weekends. I spent time with my dad going to coffee houses and watching his bands play and watching his friends play and eventually started doing the same thing myself. So it's like, that's just where I was hanging out. And I think it has a lot to do with like what you're influenced by and what you're encouraged to put the time into. Yeah, definitely. And like, if you don't see a necessity to like, for me, there was never a necessity to picking up a a hacksaw and <laughs> cutting something with it really. Yeah. Um, I liked the, I have always liked the idea of carpentry mm-hmm. even since I was a kid. I, Cause I love, I don't know why I love wood, yeah. um, but I never saw a necessity for it because like we would never make a lot of those repairs and stuff around the house ourselves. Like my dad would have friends who were carpenters who would mm-hmm. come over and help him out with something. So that kind of stuck with me in a way like, okay, I'm going to call the friend who can do this better and I'll be the helper. Sure. Yeah. But I'm never going to be specialized in that way. Yeah. And in the same way that carpenter never saw the need to pick up a guitar because he can go see his friend's band play and not have to play himself. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, there's just, I guess certain people are just wired in those specific ways where like either that's what they've been exposed to the most or that's just the way that they're brain is shaped or something but they can really do one thing fluidly and then everything else kind of adds on to it Mm. like music's always been the only thing that's felt like that for me too like there's tons of shit that i'm interested in tons of stuff that i can do with like relative proficiency or at least well enough to be able to get myself through whatever task i'm trying to accomplish but like yeah nothing will ever feel as natural i don't think as like when i pick up a guitar i just know where the hell my hands are supposed to go on it and stuff. Like, it just feels kind of like a like a limb. Right. But I mean, like, according to Malcolm Gladwell, that would also happen with a hand planer. Yeah. If you planed enough wood by hand. No, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, the people that hold the hammer like that and everything, you know, that yeah, must yeah. be the same kind of thing where, like, they pick that up and they just know the weight of it. They know how everything's distributed on it and how they'd have to swing it to get the nail to not do what it does when I hit a nail. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like that, I don't know. I think it's sometimes it's just really intoxicating to watch that from the outside, no matter what the discipline is. Like, even like watching a really good doctor, you know, just... Yeah, and that's always why why it's always bothered me that like people, like, uh, you know, other men will criticize you for not being masculine or something if you're not swinging that hammer just the right way. Yeah. Like, don't assume... I remember like my brother-in-law did that to me once because I was like, we were chopping wood and my axe swing was, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that it was a pretty dull axe to begin with yeah, and uh, give myself some credit. But um, no, my, my axe wing like didn't split the wood very far. Mm-hmm. And he was like, really? Are you kidding me? And I'm like, don't assume that I do this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I've literally never had to split wood. Yeah. So it's just kind of one of those like things that some people do for survival and there's like a ritual around it, mm-hmm. which is fine. And things that you don't really need to do for survival anymore. I guess the point is there are like things that uh, you can get criticized for for not knowing, but it doesn't really make sense yeah. to be criticized for them if there was never an, a need for it. Because that also like completely devalues the whole concept of community. Mm-hmm. Like people play roles within a community, 
And <laughs> I read an essay by George Bernard Shaw once talking about feudalism and how like <laughs> there were a lot of things wrong with feudalism, but what they got right was that everyone had their own role within yeah. the community. Like there was the blacksmith and there was the carpenter and there was the whatever. So within the feudal system, there were all these very, very specialized people mm. who didn't have to even worry about like knowing their worth because their worth was determined for them by the feudal system. That's yeah. kind of what was fucked up about it. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so there, there's that. There's like, to me, it, it completely like detracts from the idea that there are roles that are supposed to be played and there are skills that some people have that others in the community model are not supposed to have and can have if they want to, but don't need to have them. Yeah. It gets gendered a lot too, which is kind sure. of crazy. Yeah. Like when, it, I mean, it's, it's common to hear it, but like when you boil it down to what people are actually saying, it's kind of nuts. Like just that as many things are gendered and are also kind of like essential skills or can be essential skills depending on your circumstances or your context or whatever that you're, you're living in. Like, because like you mentioned, like stuff like chopping wood, that's not going to be an essential skill for everybody. But if you find yourself in a position where you need to know how to chop wood, like you're going to need to know how to chop wood, you know? And it's so crazy that that's a masculine thing to me. Yeah. Because it's bullshit. I know so many more women who are highly capable at all of these masculine skills. And I find that so uh, kind of obnoxious that these things get gendered and that because I've gotten that too, that like, oh, you're less of a man because you don't know how to do this or that. And yeah. I always get it with cars. I hate going to the fucking mechanic, dude. Because like, they yeah, just know. I, know. I think I said it on something else that we did, but I think they just see prey when I walk yeah. in. Yeah. And they're right. They're but right. that doesn't, yeah. it shouldn't have to be like that, you know? Yeah. And also I would bring up what it does to your hands. Yeah. You know? exactly. like, <laughs> uh, yeah. A friend of mine is like a great guitarist, but talks about how he gets less and less limber every year that he works construction because his hands are growing in mass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, and he's, you know, calluses everywhere. Mm. And that's like, that. that's great. I'm sure that comes in handy mm -hmm. for some situations, but for the precision that playing an instrument often requires, you don't want alligator skin. Yeah. So. I mean, we specialize for a reason, I guess, you know, it's like, I wouldn't want like my microsurgeon being like, oh man, I really was fucking around with some masonry <laughs> over the weekend. So like, we're going to give this a shot. But... <laughs> like, you know, you want that guy to be like pretty dialed in as far as dexterity yeah. is concerned. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. So there's a great value to knowing what your role is and, you know, attuning your your body and your mind to that role. But, you know, as we talk about cross-discipline and as I look around at some things that I could be engaging with but haven't been engaging with, I'm like, well, what's the harm in fucking around with uh, videography or photography or anything that might help me to be a better artist. Yeah. Even if it just means like acknowledging that I'm working with my hands more and not in a callousy way, but in a, you know, the other thing <laughs> Dickens was talking about how his girlfriend's a chef. Yeah. And I did not talk about cooking once in that episode. Really? Yeah. I'm listening back. I'm editing it. I, I, I did not mention that like that is one of the, 
and and I was talking about like trying to be present and stuff and uh being in the kitchen and you know mixing dough or or just like when I'm seasoning something to be to to roast it in the oven or something like that like I don't think when I'm doing that yeah you know that is like second nature to me I'm just I'm completely present when I'm doing that and it's yeah. great and I can't believe that I didn't talk about it <laughs> So I'm talking about it now. Like that is, I don't know that I would consider it a cross discipline because I don't know that it relates to anything else. I don't know like if it makes me better at playing guitar. I don't know if it makes me a better writer, but it does certainly get me into a place where I'm like in the moment. But what I'm ultimately getting at is like stuff like that, where you're doing something with your hands, you're making something there's an accomplishment to it. You get to be proud of it. You get to, I make banana bread and I have a little bit at night and then I wake up in the morning and I'm so psyched that I can mm-hmm. have banana bread for breakfast. You know, yeah. it's that kind of thing. So, Well, do you think to be a cross-discipline, it has to somehow directly relate differentiate to. itself? Yeah. Like, does it have to be different from like a hobby or even like a pastime or, you know, just some other activity? Like, does it have to directly connect to your main gig? Yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, in that sense, being a cross-discipline, you could discipline yourself well enough to be amazing at organization and to always keep your studio space clean and tidy and everything, and that's going to serve what you do in the studio for a living, right? Yeah. But I don't know that, that that's definitely not a hobby. It is a discipline, but not a hobby. Yeah. And I think we were talking more about hobbies or more about, like, everyday life tasks that are more enriching than just like cleaning your room. I don't know if that would be excluded though, too. When you kind of like, to me, it's something that can clear your head as much as it's something that can directly contribute to a skill, you know? So it's great point. If what you need to be a good songwriter is you need to be connected to that like Zen place where shit's just flowing through you, then what you would need is something that sort of increases that dexterity, you know? So if that's organizing your workspace or if that's cutting the lawn or whatever, like to me, the idea, it becomes a cross-discipline when you're good enough at it and you do it regularly enough that if somebody paid you for it, you wouldn't feel guilty, you know? Oh, that's interesting. Like you don't necessarily do it to be paid. You don't even necessarily want to do it to be paid. But if somebody gave you 50 bucks for it, you'd be like, all right, I mean, it checks out. Like that's the amount of skill that they received. and Yeah. So it could be organizing. It could be mechanic stuff i don't know what you'd even call that but automotive repair um it could be anything but as long as it helps you either rise above whatever stress is is killing you every day or increases some skill that you use in your main discipline Mm. i like that interpretation that kind of lines it all up for me and it takes the pressure off too because like nothing that i'm talking about getting into i'm not really like trying to get to the point where i am making money at it I guess I'm trying to get to the point where someone could give me 50 bucks to do it because that's not a lot of money and there would be low expectations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although if somebody gave me $50 for a loaf of banana bread, I'd feel pretty bad about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd take their money, but... <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> let's be real here, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how I feel about like biking and stuff. I, I'd I'm take their money, but I'd include that. the recipe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. 
<laughs> oh, that's something that like I always think about and I always talk about and I'm always a little bit conflicted about it, but I, at the end of the day, I just love doing it. I'm not great at it. Like I'm not like, you're not going to see me go blazing by me like that guy. Holy shit. He just did a flip. Like no way in hell could I do that without killing myself. But I do it every day. I'm in good enough shape to enjoy it. If somebody better than me said, keep up, I could probably keep up. It wouldn't be necessarily pretty, but I could do it. And I, I sort of realized like that's that's enough for what I'm willing to put in, you know, because there comes a point where like I'm risking life and limb. And that's why I gave it up last time I did it was I was getting to a point where I was like, I'm going to start risking breaking like hands and wrists and necks and shit. I can't just take six months off from playing guitar because I decided to fuck around in the woods today. But now I'm at this place where there's I'm finding this middle ground where I'm like, I can still just give myself permission to love this as much as I do love doing it and just do it all the time and be completely invested and passionate about it without having this sense of guilt that I'm not living up to some community standard or something. Because it just clears the hell out of my head and then I come back and I'm better at whatever I'm supposed to be doing. But there's also enough latitude in there that I can like... I can be fully there. I don't just feel like I'm out, like, kind of doing Halloween for a day or something. Like, I'm, like, in that thing when I'm doing it. But it's it was very liberating to, to realize that because I sort of got the best of both worlds all of a sudden and I didn't feel this pressure to, like, well, I can't say I'm doing this if, I, if I'm not, like, doing this. Because then I saw these other people and I was like, this guy's fucking great. And then I found out they were feeling the same way because they're not so-and-so or they're not going down, like, the Alps or something. Just kind of clicked, but I, I found that very freeing. Mm -hmm.